just reminded me of that. And, and finally, about halfway through, I just went, Hey, Christian, just go ahead and get your guitar unplugged, man. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> the young lady giving her testimony couldn't figure out what the heck everybody was watching because it was behind her. Really, really funny. Anyway, we had a great time here last night uh, at our living nativity. It was really, really good. Thank you to every one of you who worked hard and helped decorate this place in here. Doesn't it look beautiful? And, uh, I mean, people have worked so hard. And uh, I really didn't, until I came to that thing last night, I didn't have a just even a lick of the Christmas spirit. Not, I mean, wasn't mad or angry. I just wasn't feeling like Christmas. I mean, it's been so hot and everything. Now it's raining. I thought it was snow when I looked outside. Now look at all y'all. Uh-huh. You can bet this, our new worship center will have frosted glass in the windows. But anyway, uh, <laughs> keep those distractions down. And, uh, but anyway, after last night, I literally got home uh, and, and literally went to bed singing Silent Night, Holy Night. And when I woke up this morning, man, I was still singing it. Uh, not out loud, so Kim got to sleep, but... Uh, thank you, seriously, thank you to everybody who came, everybody who worked hard. There was all kinds of work, so I'll dare not name any. Just thank you to everybody who has helped with Christmas in, in any, any way. Um, we're kicking off a series of messages. And what I'm going to talk about is, uh, it's a series that has to do with something that we like to get, as long as they're good ones. Gifts. Gifts. Gifts are awesome, Right? You know, the five love languages by Gary Chapman. There's a study about that that everybody communicates, and it's really, you know, important to them. Sometimes it's meaningful words. Sometimes it can be quality time. Most of you ladies, that's probably your primary love language. Uh, some of you not, but uh, we're, that's why we need to know the differing love languages. But there, uh, one of them is acts of service. But another one is gifts. Gifts. And if it's a good gift, no matter what your language is, um, you still like a good gift, right? A good gift's always great, unless it's just probably coming from the wrong person. But a gift is awesome. That, that is my primary love language, incidentally. Did I tell you that gifts are my primary love language? If you really want your pastor to know you love him, a gift is a great way to do it. But that's not what the sermon is about. So anyway, but I did tell you, right, did, that my primary love language is gifts. Okay. But I, I, God has given us some gifts. Really, one great gift, the greatest gift of all, is the Lord Jesus Christ. But have you ever gotten like a gift within a gift? Like you open up that gift, and then there's another gift inside. And so when we get the gift of Jesus, we get other gifts. We get um, hope, and we get peace, and we get strength for living every day. So all wrapped up within the gift of Jesus are these other gifts, and one of those gifts that Jesus gives to us, uh, choir and congregation, is the gift of purpose. The gift of purpose. If life is dull or meaningless, life isn't important, you don't feel like you really count in this great big cosmos. When you look at God giving his only son for you, it gives a, a tremendous gift to you of fitting in. Of, of having meaning and significance, the gift of purpose. And so this series, we're going to start today with God's gift of purpose, but we're going to look at how Christmas gives us hope and how Christmas gives us strength and all sort of stuff. And so what 
that's really, incidentally, why we give gifts today at Christmas time. The tradition of gift giving goes all the way back to the first Christmas you have in the stories, uh, in, the, in the stories in the Bible, the true stories about how the wise men came and what did they bring to the Christ child? Gifts of frankincense, gold, myrrh, and they brought them to the baby Jesus. And ladies, by the way, I saw something the other day uh, on the internet and it said, what would have happened if instead of three wise men, there would have been three wise women? Well, first of all, it said they would have asked for directions The women would have arrived on... <laughs> I am. I am being careful. <laughs> I don't care how many of you guys I make mad. i got to keep the ladies on my side. <laughs> the women would have actually asked for directions, right? They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made some casseroles and other foods, brought practical gifts... And there would be peace on the earth. Amen. <laughs> but this week, we're going to start this series off talking about one of God's greatest gifts to us. And as I said, it's the gift of purpose. Because as outrageous and outlandish and extravagant as it seems, in addition to giving his son to us, God giving his son, the Lord Jesus, to take the punishment that we deserve, so our relationship to the Father could be restored and we could be brought back into the family of God in a right relationship with Him and get to spend eternity with Him. In addition to all that, as if that weren't enough, God says, look, I'm also going to give you something to live for. A passionate reason, an assignment that will add meaning and adventure and fulfillment and significance and joy to your life like nothing else. Now, what is that purpose that he gives to us? Well, there are a lot of them, and we'll look at some of them, but I want to focus on this one in particular today. In Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is preaching and teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and just three short verses, but Jesus said these words to his disciples, because we always talk about Jesus being, you know, the light of the world, but, but notice what he says to his followers, look at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Now, you always have to remember Jesus was, he just logically like you and I do, he always spoke to people with analogies that they would understand in their time. So we'll talk about what salt did in those days a little bit. But Jesus said this, you, his disciples, and, and you and I, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it, the food be seasoned? The salt is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He says this, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, in other words, they lift it up and it gives light to all who are in the house. Because of that, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men. Let your light shine before others in a way that they will do what? That they may see your good works, your good deeds, but what will they do? They will glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
Now, what Jesus was saying, in effect, is, here's what I want you to do. I, here's your purpose. I want you to help me rescue this world one person at a time. What he was saying is, my followers, I want them to be the ones to bring this monumental news of the birth of a Redeemer to the world. That, that I want you to bring this good news, that forgiveness of all your sins is available. That you can have free, a right relationship with God. You don't have to fear Him. That that's available. That heaven for all eternity is available to anyone who simply opens their heart to Christ. And he's saying, I want you specifically. And look at me right here. Let me just stop kind of preaching at you for a second and talk to you. He means you. No matter who you are, no matter what station of life you're at, no matter what you're dealing with. I look around this room and I see people at all kinds of stages of life and dealing with different problems and different challenges and you've got a lot of things before you some great some scary but God wants to use you to be one person who is experiencing real purpose and significance that so by spreading the gospel so that listen when your life ends you don't have to sit and cry and say oh my God I, I wasted I wasted my life most of us shrink back from sharing the gospel, though, don't we? Publicly, telling people, witnessing to people, inviting people to church. We, most Christians rarely, if ever, invite our friends to church, much less know and understand the plan of salvation so we can share it with other people. I really, I really gave some thought to this. Why? Why is that? I think there are a lot of reasons, but some of it's a lack of training, and that's my fault. But some of it is that I think most of us don't get in on, on opening this great gift that God has given to us of purpose, of, of opening it up and figuring out what my purpose is in this life and why God has me here. Most of us don't get in on that, I think. Because in our minds, whether we're aware of it or not, in America, we don't really see the gospel as as good and happy a news as it really is in a sense now we see it kind of as bad news now let me just kind of unpack that a bit because we all know it's not bad news not like terrible news but let me give you kind of what I'm getting at we don't really see in America something has happened like Christianity we don't see it as a as this great thing that we've discovered this happy thing where we find complete forgiveness of all of our sins, release from guilt, where we have this great love relationship with God the Father and we get to avoid hell forever and we get to go to heaven forever and we, don't, we aren't excited about it and just amazed by it. We don't think of it that way sometimes. Rather, we've come in a sense to view Christianity somewhat as the norm and, and somewhat as maybe though we might not even voice it this way, kind of like a bunch of rules or things that you're just supposed to do or maybe things that you can't do or shouldn't do. And somehow our approach to being like salt, which salt does a lot of things in 
Jesus day. It was a preservative. Uh, it, 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 it did all kinds of things. Light obviously was great in their day because you couldn't just flip on a light switch. You know, when it got dark, you went to bed. And when it got light, you got up. And, but, but it, I mean, when it got dark, it got dark. And, and, and so light was this revealing thing, right? And light brought heat and light brought all sort of stuff. And salt would sting if you got it on a wound or salt would cleanse a wound or salt would preserve. And, and so we don't see it so much salt and light in America. What we well, let me say it this way. I'm, I'm not being, I'm not even getting it clear. What I want to say is, in America, I think because Christianity has become so common, we see salt and light as being something not that starts with good news, but as starts kind of with bad news. Like if we're going to go out here and be salt and light in our community, sometimes we start with this: you know what? You're lost, and you're dying, and you're going to hell, and you're doomed. And if you don't get saved. And, and, and so when we try to tell our friends that, it's hard to start that kind of a conversation because it's like negative, right? I mean, the salt stings. The light exposes sin. And, and it's just hard. But, but what is the real message of Christmas? Let me summarize it. I can say it very quick. The message of Christmas is this. And this is what it means to be salt and light. We can say to everybody, God loves you. You matter to God. You really do. There's a great God, your creator, who loves you, and he, it ma you matter so much to him that he was willing to give his son for you to let you know that you matter to him. That's the whole mass message of Christmas. And it doesn't start with negative. It starts with positive. And that's the whole message of Christmas. So when you go out of this building and you want to be salt, and you want to be light to our community, which we're commanded to do, then always begin with the good news. Always begin with the good news. There's a God who loves you, and I'd love to invite you to church. We don't always have to begin with, oh, you know, we're all lost, and we're all sinful, and that's a truth, and there's a time and a place to share that. But it is after you know the fact that there's a God who loves you. There's a great God in this universe who cares about you, and he cared enough to give his son. It makes it much easier to start a conversation if you're going to talk about something positive. Hard to start a negative conversation, isn't it? For some of you. It's hard. But go out and intentionally look for opportunities to, to, to do this, to share that good news, to be salt and light. But look during the holiday season now. I'm talking to those of you who are Christians and church members. Go out and intentionally look for opportunities to tie in things of the holiday that are natural, like gifts. When everybody's gift shopping and somebody's tired to you and maybe you don't know them or one of your family members you do know, but maybe they don't know the Lord and they say, you know, what did, where did all this gift-giving stuff start anyway? I mean, this is ridiculous. I can't buy gifts for everybody. You can say, you can identify with them and say, absolutely, I understand but I think it started because there's a God who loves us and gave the gift of his son for us. And that's great news that God loves you. And even in the middle of all this craziness, man, he wants you to slow down and receive that great gift of him. 
I watched that nativity scene last night up on the hill, and I was kind of, at first, as I was watching it come off, I was kind of chuckling at a few things, like the big power line in the background of the manger scene. Um, I said, man, I can't wait till we get on our new property and we can do this with a background, you know, that looks really good. Uh, we were singing Silent Night, Holy Night, and a car came flying by, you know, boom, right, I'm going, not so silent, not so holy. The pony decided, as good as Blackie is, where, what, no, what's his name, is it, is it Blackie, really? I was joking, that was our pony's kid when we were, uh, our pony's name when we were kids, but that little pony decided to do his business right where we had to walk to get to the manger. It wasn't so nice, it wasn't so pleasant, but you know, I started looking around, because it's easy to notice things, isn't it, like that you would criticize or whatever, say, oh man, but I think the manger was kind of messy, honestly. The manger was kind of simple. In fact, it was very simple. I was standing there, I thought, but you know, how simple was the birth of Christ? I mean, think about it. The manner in which Jesus, God's son, came to this earth and was born into this earth, was very, very simple and plain. And if of all the ways that God could have sent his son, like I've never could have dreamed that one up in a million years. Very simple, very humble, very easy to approach. And the angels appear to Mary and Joseph and then to those shepherds when the Christ child is born. And I think it's fascinating, the very first words that come out of their mouth every time. Fear not. Now, now, what they were saying, if they were just talking to us today, they'd just say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you what? Good tidings. Some of us need to circle some of these words. Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So don't be afraid. I mean, God's coming into the world. Don't be afraid. If God was coming back into this world today, humanly, physically, would you be kind of nervous? I mean, that'd be something to think about, right? But he says, God's in the world. Don't, don't, this is good. This is great. It's joyful. Don't be afraid. See, some of us, just to hear that shocks us because you're afraid of God. Now, I remember for years being afraid of God. Somebody started talking about God, I was getting out of the room. You start talking about God, I don't want to hear that mess. I don't want to think about that. But why did Jesus come in the manner he did? Very simple, very humble. Why were the angels saying, don't be afraid? Because it was good news. Why did Jesus come as a little baby? I mean, there's nothing more helpless than a baby. But everybody can approach a baby. Bring a baby out in a room of people who don't know him, and they'll instantly start looking into his face and go, You know, I mean, just like babies must... No wonder they talk like they do when they're kids, because... That's the way we talk to them. A simple stable. Why did Jesus come that way? So nobody would be afraid of him. If he had come into this world in all of his majesty and splendor and glory, everybody would have been terrified, but nobody's afraid of a baby. And, and as a baby, he came. So lowly shepherds could approach him, so poor men could approach him, and so rich men, wise men could approach him. And as he grew, people could look at Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh, and say, look at him and say, that's what God is like. And I don't have to be afraid of God anymore. 
And I think that's the good news, uh, that as we go out to accomplish this great gift of purpose, we don't have to be fearful about it. We don't have to worry about it. You could be as happy as if you were going out to tell people, hey, hey, you just won a million dollars, you know, in the lottery. You shouldn't have been playing, but you won it. And if you win it, you better tithe on it, okay? Because <laughs> I will take it. But listen, I mean, you can be that joyful. It's good news. It's good news. And, and I think at times we as the church, especially I want to get you at the beginning of this Christmas season, we got to remember we are salt and we are light, but those are not to be unpleasant things. They were pleasant things in that day. See, salt does more than sting. And salt does more than just preserve our way of life in our country. Salt adds enjoyment to life. How many of you like salt on your food? I mean, now look, now, all right, now look, how many of you really like salt and you probably eat too much of it, right? All right, be honest. I appreciate it. I do too. I don't even, how many of you don't taste your food and you salt it? Come on, be honest. Don't lie. Y'all going to get in trouble. All right. <laughs> I usually will. I'll usually salt, start salting it and somebody will say, you haven't even tasted it yet. But see, salt adds enjoyment for me. It adds flavor and a zest to life. And imagine those of you who like salt, imagine that there was no more salt in this world. For the rest of your days, you were going to have to eat with no salt. What would your food, food taste like, huh? Be pretty bland, wouldn't it? Be pretty tasteless for you. Be pretty unexciting, the thought of that. And this is what Jesus said, go and tell the good news. There's excitement, there's joy. And let me just say this, like if you're new here, just, just understand this. And if you've been here a long time, please help remind yourself of this. God is not some cosmic killjoy in the sky standing up there just waiting to crack you on the head every time you mess up. Just wanting to make your life miserable. But, but if you go to some people, if you listen to some pastors preach, you'll seem to think that all salt is supposed to do is sting and be abrasive. And all light is supposed to do is blind people or, or bring, uh, bring their sins out into the light. The majority of churches you go into them in America, now they, they don't feel like excitement and good and, and, and zesty and like they're thankful and exuberant for the forgiveness that they've, they've received. They seem, honestly, the majority of churches in America that I visit seem like death more than they do life. They seem more like a funeral home than they do a place of life and zest and good news. Uh, somebody said most churches, Dr. Vance Havner said most churches start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 11, uh, 12 o'clock dull. And uh, you heard about the guy, didn't you? Met his pastor out on the street one day, couldn't dodge him, and he hadn't been to church in a while. Of course, the pastor walks up and gives him kind of one of those backhanded compliments, you know. Uh, John, I've been missing you at church. He said, well, you know, preacher, the, the, the kids were sick and then the wife got sick, and then I was sick. And, you know, he said, it just rained and rained and rained. And the preacher thought he was going to be pretty good. He said, well, you know, John, it's always dry down at the church. <laughs> to which John said, and that's another reason. 
Now, we get this misconception like church folks that like God doesn't want us to smile. You know, some, some of us look like we've been baptized in persimmon juice. You know, I mean, just if you smile now, God's not in that. But that's so far. That's so crazy. That's so far from our God-given purpose in life, from this great gift that God says, you will realize why I made you. You will realize this great purpose, and it is to go out and share the good news. It's to tell people, yes, you have hit the lottery. More than that, this one lasts forever. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who loves you enough to send his own son for you. And I want you, as in us, who are sharing, being salt and light, to go out and, and flavor this world and put enjoyment in this world and put zest in this world. Of all people, we are redeemed. We are forgiven. We don't have to go to hell. We get to go to heaven. We should be happy regardless of what happens to us. Now, I mean, there should be an inner joy. There's times when I'm not happy. I get mad. Some of you saw me mad last week. But listen, I have to get over it. And how do I get over it? I start reminding myself of the good news of the gospel. I am forgiven. I am saved. I don't have to go to hell. I mean, God doesn't want us to be just going out and condemning people all the time. You know, can you imagine? I mean, it's so far from the way that God operates. Can you imagine the way we think of God? Can you imagine if one of my children came to me and they were very sincere? And they said, Dad, I love you. I hadn't really been doing right. But I want to do right. I want to be the kind of child, Dad, that you want me to be. I want to live for you more. And I want to do what's right. Now, what do you think I'd say to that kid? Hmm? <clears throat> Boy, <laughs> I've been waiting for this day. You're going to regret that decision for the rest of your life. You want to do right. You want to do good. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to sit in the corner, never smile. You're going to do math problems all day. You're going to eat spinach three times a day, every meal. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to break every one of your toys and take them away from you. And if I catch you smiling, I'm going to be so angry with you. No, of course not. That's ridiculous, isn't it? But a lot of people think that way about God. I mean, I'm telling you, now listen to me outside these four walls and maybe inside of them. There's a lot of people that think if they come to Christ, they'll have to give up everything fun. That their life will just be boring. They do now. You remember when you were lost. Good night. I didn't want to hang around y'all. You didn't want to hang around me. I guarantee you. You did. You just wouldn't let it be known. <laughs> You just wanted to act religious. But I'll tell you what. All jokes aside, God's not been waiting to make your life miserable. People really think, though, if I come to God and I say, God, I, I want to be what you want me to be and I want to receive your son into my life and I want to live for your purpose, that God's going to say, all right, I'm going to take away all the fun stuff I'm going to make your life miserable. And they think, being a Christian equals being boring, being mad, sourpuss. Where did they ever get that idea? I 
walked into a store a while back. Lady looked at me. People look at me everywhere I go. You know, they're like, do I know you? Lady looked at me. She said, hey, I think I know you. Are you a pastor? I said, no, ma'am. I just got a kidney stone. <laughs> I'll get over it, though. <laughs> she said, you look like you're in pain, but why does being a pastor have to make you look like you're in pain? Why? Gospel's good news. It's great news. It's great joy. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You're forgiven in Christ. And God wants you to make the most of your life, not to waste it, not to abuse it, but to make your life count for eternity. And, and listen, now think of what our nation has been through. Think of where our nation is at. Think of the fears that people have. Think of the, the crime. Think of the Think of the bad situations. Think of the poverty. Think of the desperation. Think of the homelessness. Think of the fears that you have and I have about living in this crazy world now. Doesn't our world need some great news? Don't we really just need some great news? That's what you and I have. And when we learn to approach it from that, standpoint this is good news it's not as scary to start a conversation about it with somebody you know there is a um, i am not doing this just to hype an event i'm doing it because this is great news tonight we've got a christmas program going on that you could call and invite somebody and say hey i want to give you some great news what they'll say what we're having a christmas program tonight why don't you come and see it that's all you have to say and just hush don't say no for anybody. We're having a Christmas program when our, uh, sing, uh, our regular choir, uh, sing a regular choir, that doesn't sound very spectacular, does it? Our incredible choir. They're going to sing in a week or so. Now, listen, why wouldn't we be happy about that? Why wouldn't we invite people to that? Realize that God has a gift of purpose for you. And go out with good news and say, hey, i got some great news. I'd like to invite you to our church a couple weeks from now. You know, Christmas Eve, probably 10 years ago, I was coming home. I don't even know where I was at. I was by myself, and I was coming home. And uh, right near Huntersville, there had been an accident. I got there. You could still see. the. Uh, uh, could, all I saw, weren't many people on the road, and all I saw was a car and dust like coming up from it you know and stuff and the lights like kind of through the dust i mean it had just happened this thing had endoed end over end terrible accident i pull over there was like one other car already pulled over and i pulled over my pastor sense just kicked in in me and of course i i just looked at it very quickly to make sure it wasn't fuel leaking out or whatever and i looked inside and and there was a a young african-american man in there every window was busted out of the car this thing was destroyed he was still strapped in and uh, couldn't move had blood all over his face blood everywhere and I bent down and I tried to see if there was a way to like get him out or help him get out you just never know what's going to happen and he could barely talk and I said buddy uh, he, he couldn't even well really he couldn't even talk he just kind of moaning and I said, listen, I'm sure help is on the way. I think I dialed 911, or someone else said they'd called. And I, I started talking to him, kind of crawled in there with him. I said, man, I don't know whether you're injured bad or not, 
but this doesn't look good to me, then you need to know that God loves you. And I don't know if you're a Christian or not, man, but you could be going and standing in front of God in just a few minutes, and I explained the gospel to him, and I said, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you could pray with me, man, you could be forgiven right now of all your sins, and you could know God. And He couldn't even talk, and I was holding his hand. And, and he, I said, if you just prayed that prayer, as I prayed through it, I said, if you prayed that in your minute, let me know. And he kind of squeezed my hand. Rescue workers started coming up, and I always want to get out of their way because they have a job to do. But I had one to do, too, and I said, you got to get back. He could have AIDS. He could, there's blood everywhere. I hadn't even thought about it. I got back, and they started the long, lengthy process of getting them out of the car, and I was so thankful for those guys. So thankful for those ladies. I heard later they didn't make it. And I was wondering, like, you know, was he ready to die? It was Christmas Eve. I wonder if he knew how great it felt to be forgiven of all your sin. How incredible is it, right? To be forgiven of all your sins, to know that if you die, you got no problems. Not because you've done anything, because of the grace of God, you get to go to heaven. You and I, we get to go to heaven. I mean, you get to go to heaven when you die. So come what may. I wonder if he knew what true happiness of forgiveness and a relationship restored to God was. And I wondered if, you know, before I met him, he had the hope of heaven. And thinking about this message, I remembered that event. I'd almost forgotten about it. But you know what I'm saying to you, church, is that this. The only way for people to receive these great gifts of forgiveness and love and freedom and purpose from God is, is when we who have already received forgiveness and love and acceptance, when we slow down long enough to really meditate now on the goodness of God, how good He's been to us, and then we go out. Not to criticize, and not to sting, and not to expose the sins of everybody. But to let the positive, good light of Jesus shine. To, to let salt flavor up the world. And we share the good news of God's gift of Jesus with other people. When we do that, that's when we really get the gift of significance and meaning and purpose in our life. I will promise you this, there is no greater joy that you will ever experience short of your own salvation like personally leading another person to Christ. It's one of the reasons most of us are frustrated and halfway miserable half the time because we just never experience that. But it's, it's, it's unbelievable to know that I'm, I'm accomplishing God's purpose in my life, that, that God has used, God just used me in his great plan. Nothing like that, whether you're teaching a Sunday school class, whether you're working with the kids or adults or singing in the choir or being a greeter, or whether you're gathering up cards after the service, whatever, being part of God's great plan to see people come to him. The Apostle Paul 
said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13, he was speaking to Christians, and he, and he was speaking to them concerning their giving, but he said this. He's been urging them to give. He said, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. You ever got a gift, and it was so incredible, you just didn't know what to say? I mean, you ever got a gift, and you just went... Maybe even said, I don't know what to say. Just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what you say. And the best way to say thank you to God is to first of all realize how good he's been to you, how blessed you are in Christ. And then you open up God's gift of purpose in your life by sharing that good news of the gospel with people around you. Let's pray. And maybe, first of all, some of us here just need to pray. Dear God, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to accomplish your purpose in my life. Help me to live more. Help me to open this gift of purpose. I want to discover it more and more. Lord, so maybe you would want to pray today, Lord, if you're already a believer, Lord, help me to meditate more. This week I will take time to meditate more on the good news of the gospel. And secondly, Lord, help me to see, help me to look intentionally for ways to tie in the holidays and share the good news with others. And maybe some of you are here today and you need to pray a different prayer. Maybe you need to say, God, this Christmas I want your gift, the gift of Jesus in my life. Lord, I don't understand it all, but I just open up my life to you, Jesus Christ. As much as I know how, I ask you right now, come into my life, change me from the inside out, Make me the person you want me to be. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to save me. Save me right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.